Traditional Chinese medicine is an ancient practice making waves in the modern health era, addressing mind, body and soul as one unit TCM aims to connect the human with the being on multiple levels. Health shouldn't be elusive or inaccessible, a notion that this ancient practice adheres to. Our products at Your Tea are merely a stepping stone to this brilliant wellness modality. Hence, we are here to honour and discover the intricacies of revered traditional Chinese medicine. In our podcast, we discuss the Chinese medicine approach and interpretation of health what it means, and how TCM endeavours to achieve it. From endometriosis to digestion, qi to shen, PCOS to menopause, eating to movement, and mind to soul. Are you following the same diet throughout your entire menstrual cycle and left wondering why your appetite seems to fluctuate throughout? Perhaps you experience sugar cravings and inflammation prior to your period alongside this change in appetite. We invite TCM Dr. Lauren Curtin back to the podcast to explore the concept of food as medicine for the menstrual cycle and why it is crucial to eat in sync with the four phases of the menstrual cycle. Implementing simple, positive changes to your diet and gaining knowledge about foods that are beneficial to the menstrual cycle can have a huge impact on the quality of your period and overall health. Listen in to discover a range of foods that you can introduce to cultivate a healthier menstrual cycle. We've recorded a few episodes previously on the menstrual cycle and different elements of the menstrual cycle, such as hormones and diet. So today we are going to cover eating for the menstrual cycle and for the different phases of the cycle. So Lauren, can we start by discussing eating for the first phase of the menstrual cycle, which is menstruation? So when we're eating, when we have our period, this can have a really big impact on our experience of our period because in Chinese medicine, we always want basically across the board, to be eating foods that strengthen our digestive system and that keep the digestive fire going. So this is opting for lots of like warming and cooked foods, but this is really important actually during our period because this is when blood is flowing and it's quite a bit of movement happening in our body. And if we're having lots of cold foods during our period, like lots of salads or yogurts, this can actually exacerbate any symptoms that we get during our periods like period pain or getting clots so during the period is a really good time to be having like a little bit of spice like a little bit of ginger some cinnamon and having lots of warm foods like having some soups having that real comfort food lots of roast veggies lots of bone broth even some hot chocolate like a hot cacao those kind of foods can be really really beautiful to nourish your period and actually nourish the flow so it's nice and easy and smooth and if anyone is getting any symptoms like period pain or headaches having something like a hot cacao can be really nice because it's so rich in magnesium and that can be really soothing and comforting during your period. With the cold foods that you mentioned there and the fact that they can cause things potentially like um, period pain or stagnation 
why is this? This is obviously heavily connected to the digestive system. What significance does this have? Totally. I always like to think of it as like, if we think about cold, what does cold do? It usually slows things down. So if we have some water and we apply cold, it's going to freeze and freezing water doesn't usually flow. Whereas if we have water and we add heat, it starts to boil and there's actually a lot of movement happening in the water. So we can think of this with our digestive systems as well. If we're wanting a lot of movement and to have a really healthy metabolism, that's why heat is great because it helps to get everything moving and it's really invigorating, which is great during a period. But cold is very slow and contracting and it just slows things down. So with our digestive systems, if we're having lots of cold foods, then that can actually slow down our digestive fire, slows down our metabolism. It's harder to digest. And during our period, if we're trying to invigorate the blood flow for a nice healthy bleed, but we're having cold foods, that could slow down that whole process. So we really want to aim for heat and lots of warming, nurturing foods as much as we can. Great. Thank you. Moving on to the second phase, the follicular phase, how would you suggest that we eat for this phase of our cycle? So in the follicular phase, post your period, this is when we have just shed our period and we've just shed this blood and energy and we really want to enter into the rebuilding phase. So we've just lost some energy and now we need to get it back in order to ovulate again. So it's quite a whole energy dense process. So we want to think of, okay, we've just lost some blood. We've just lost some iron. Now's a good time to have lots of iron rich foods. And the most iron rich food we have access to is chicken and beef livers. So if you are game, you can actually have some livers and incorporate it sneakily into your diet. And that's a really nourishing and building thing to do post-period. And that's great for energy levels. That's great for your immune system. It's great for hormones. But that's a really easy and quick way to top up your stores and then prepare your body again for your next ovulation and then that next period. So we want to be focusing on lots of iron-rich foods. So the livers, if you can handle it, and then lots of good quality protein and then lots of veggies as well is really great. So lots of um, sweet potato, lots of rich vegetables, and then our greens as well that are rich in iron. But the most important thing in our follicular phase is making sure that we're actually eating enough because it's a really energy, energy dense process to ovulate. And if we don't have enough reserves in our system to spare, then our body's not going to divert a lot of energy towards ovulation. It's going to be diverting it to just basic organ function to keep us alive. So we need to make sure that we're actually getting enough food in. So three big meals a day, three good sized meals, and then having some snacks between as well, if you need it to help keep blood sugar levels stable. But we need to make sure that we're actually eating enough. And then all of that excess energy can go towards our reproductive system to help nurture and prepare for your ovulation. So are you saying here that perhaps it could be more important to increase our food intake in this phase more so than throughout menstruation? Yeah, I find that a lot of women don't even necessarily have big appetites during their period because their body is already, from our perspective, so busy actually expelling the blood. A lot of women don't even necessarily feel that hungry during their bleed, and that's okay, but obviously you still want to nourish yourself during that time. But post-period, that's when we should really 
from a Chinese medicine perspective, eating a bit more to then rebuild what we've lost during the period and make sure that long term we're not actually going into a deficiency and that we are adequately making up for the lost stores of energy. Hmm. Now eating for ovulation, what do you suggest here? So it's really important to have lots of good healthy fats for ovulation. So looking at wild caught fish and eggs and nuts and seeds, all of that kind of thing can be really great for ovulation. But then also orange colored vegetables as well is really good for the development of the follicle, which will then turn into the corpus luteum after we ovulate. And the corpus luteum loves orange and yellow foods and that helps to boost our progesterone but we want to be doing that ahead of time so lots of root veggies are great for ovulation and then also having a little bit of spice around this time just like a subtle herbal spice can be good like ginger and cinnamon and cardamom and even things like fennel can be really great because these are typically heating herbs and in order to ovulate there's like this surge of heat within the body and it's like a dynamic process that happens in order to encourage that transformation from the yin to the yang so we want to help to encourage that with a bit of heat or a bit of spice and obviously just little bits so we're not overheating the system but that can be quite helpful to encourage ovulation and we use these herbs a lot to help encourage ovulation in Chinese medicine and then as we enter into the next phase we can tailor even more So for the luteal phase, is that what you were leading on to there? Yes. So in the luteal phase, that's all about our progesterone. So that's our kidney yang. So in this phase, it's important again to be eating lots of warming and cooked foods because we can often see some women that are showing low signs of kidney yang and that reflects in our progesterone. And we need to have really good levels of our progesterone to have really healthy periods and have symptom-free periods. So if we're having lots of cold foods when our body is meant to be more warm, that can work us against us a little bit. So again, having lots of warming cooked foods, but especially during the luteal phase, this is when the liver is really active in metabolizing all of our excess hormones as we lead into our next period. So this is the time to focus on lots of liver health. So dandelion is awesome. Burdock root is awesome for liver health. And then foods like all of the green veggies, so spinach and kale and silver beet and broccoli sprouts and Brussels sprouts and bok choy, all of these kind of foods. Any like really rich green vegetable really is has a strong affinity with the liver. And the more the liver can have support, the more adequate, adequately it can be detoxifying all of our hormones so that we can have a symptom-free transition into our period. And then also from a Chinese medicine perspective, the liver ensures a smooth flow of qi throughout the whole body. So this is really important when it comes to before our period arrives because we need to have that smooth transition supported with the liver. So eating to help the liver can really help with PMS symptoms before your period. When you mentioned qi there and the fact that the liver governs the smooth flow of qi, can you just define qi maybe for people who don't know what it is? So from a Chinese medicine perspective, qi is basically our energy and it's like the function. So 
our energy is a really good reflection of our chi. If someone has really good energy levels, if they feel really vibrant throughout the day, we would say, oh, they've got really good chi. Whereas if someone's really tired or a bit sluggish or it's hard to get going in the morning or if they're tired in the afternoon, we would think that their chi is lacking a little bit. But in specifically with the liver chi, that is what is governing this smooth flow. So we can think of that with ovulation because a really strong transformation needs to happen with ovulation for an egg to break three to break free and that really falls under the liver's realm to actually get that transformation going and then we can see that before a period as well because that's another hormonal pivot that happens that the liver has a really strong effect on that's great thank you and focusing on appetite now do you often see in clinic that you have women who have alternating appetites and that their appetite actually changes throughout the cycle? I see this quite a lot when a woman is naturally cycling that usually the appetite will fluctuate. So ideally it's not changing too much, but sometimes if there's a weakness with the spleen in the stomach, there can be more cravings in the luteal phase before a period because this is when our body is diverting most of our attention to preparing the body for a bleed. So that means a lot of excess energy and blood is going towards menstruation. And if someone isn't maybe adequately nourished or if they're not eating well for their body, then you could get even more cravings because you've got all of this energy being diverted to your period. And maybe there's not enough left to give you good energy levels throughout the day. So you're getting some cravings. So this can really tell us what their digestion is like and how much they're able to actually extract their nutrients and if they're eating enough for their body. Um, But typically before a period is when we notice the biggest change and fluctuation in appetite. But ideally, I would like to see no real major changes. Subtle ones are okay, but if it's getting really extreme, then that can be a sign that something's up with digestion. And as you mentioned previously, it's important to know when it's more suitable to be eating more for a certain phase. So that information is super helpful because then hopefully you may find that the appetite is not changing as much if you are eating for that phase of the cycle. Exactly. Let's talk about inflammation now, as this is a big one that comes up uh, in regards to menstrual cycles. So are there certain foods from a TCM perspective that can cause inflammation? And if so, what impact does the inflammation have on a menstrual cycle? So inflammation is a big one when it comes to our periods. So typically foods that can cause an inflammatory response in the body would be processed foods, usually foods that have higher levels of artificial chemicals in them. Pesticides are very inflammatory. So if you're eating non-organic food you may be getting a higher dose of pesticides in your system and that can be inflammatory and otherwise things like gluten dairy and processed sugars and alcohol can be quite inflammatory for a lot of people and inflammation is really closely linked with any pms symptom and especially pain so if you're getting signs like that if you're getting pelvic pain with your period if you're getting breast tenderness if you're getting headaches or migraines or nausea if you're getting mood changes or skin changes or anything else that can fall under the pms category it's worth looking into your diet and saying okay is there some inflammation going on here 
And if you're having pain, there definitely is because pain is inflammation. And what can you do to not exacerbate that any further? So the first step would be identifying where you could be getting inflammatory triggers in your diet and then making some little tweaks. So maybe opting for a nut milk rather than a dairy milk or going for more goat's dairy rather than cow's dairy because goat's dairy tends to be less inflammatory and then not having as many processed sugars and avoiding gluten where you can can have a really big impact on your period and then any symptoms that you're getting. Following on from that, sugar cravings before menstruation is also a common one that we hear about. How is this viewed from a TCM perspective? So from a TCM perspective, every flavor has an association with an organ and sweet has a really close association with the spleen and the stomach, and that would be the earth element. So there's lots of different ways that we could look at this because our earth element is really connected to how grounded we're feeling and our connection with others. So if we're feeling like we're not being nourished in that way, we can even show signs of imbalance with that organ system in getting sugar cravings. And then also there's the more obvious side of what our diet's like, because if our digestion is in an optimal state, then our spleen and stomach aren't in their optimal state either. And when those two organs are out of whack, we can get the craving of the flavor that those organs are associated with, which is is sweet. So it's a good time to instead reaching for the really obvious sugary foods like chocolate or ice cream or any kind of sweet artificial food then they're kind of like the obvious choices to quell that really sweet craving but really we're actually craving the sweet naturally occurring foods like the sweet potato and the pumpkin and the carrots and that kind of food because that's much more nurturing for the spleen and the stomach and it's actually giving our bodies what we want at the same time some sweet cravings can be a sign that our blood sugar is a little bit dysregulated. So we want to make sure that we're getting lots of good healthy fats in our diet as well. So I would be looking at fish and avocado and good quality protein and nuts and seeds and bone broth. And those kind of things can help to balance out the blood sugar. And then typically we're not getting as many sugary cravings because our energy is much, much more stable not only just throughout the day, but then in that time before our period as well. So fascinating. You've mentioned some really great changes here or some great practices that people can implement to their diet. How long should we be eating a certain way before expecting to see changes? So a good rule of thumb, if we're trying to see a change or make an impact on our menstrual cycle is at least three months. That would be the minimum I would expect because it actually takes three months for our hormones to balance because there is a three month journey to ovulation and it's via ovulation that we actually produce our hormones. So if we're trying to balance out our hormones, we really need to be paying attention to that whole developmental process of an egg maturing, which takes three months. So if you wanna see a real change, what you start incorporating today will be in full swing three cycles from now. So when we say three months, it's actually three menstrual cycles because it'll be three of those ovulations. So typically some women, once they start making changes, they may notice a good improvement before the three months. But to really give it a good amount of time, I would aim for a minimum of three months 
And then depending on the person, it could be even a bit longer than that as well, depending on what their diet and lifestyle and what their exposures are. But it's usually more of a longer term thing with our menstrual cycles. So more of a lifestyle rather than eating a certain way for only a few weeks and then going back to what we were doing. Exactly. So if we're if we make a diet change for only two weeks, say if we decide to avoid inflammatory foods for two weeks, that's really good. But a whole cycle is ideally around four weeks. So the rest of those weeks haven't been addressed. And then also there's that whole three month process to balance out the hormones. So Two weeks is good, but it's probably going to not going to make a huge impact in your overall hormonal health. And it's not so much it probably won't. It's definitely not. So it really needs to be <laughs> at least three months to give it a really good go and see just how good your periods could be when you give it the chance. Yeah, food is such a fascinating topic and I feel like we could talk about it for hours, but this has been a really great episode to grasp the basics for eating around the menstrual cycle and a really empowering simple thing that we can do at home to help improve our menstrual cycles so thank you again for your time and your knowledge lauren we really appreciate it thank you so much for listening to another episode of tcm honored by your tea The views expressed on today's episode are those of the independent authors and commentators and do not constitute medical or pharmaceutical advice. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a review and subscribing. If you have any questions, you can reach us on Instagram at yourtea or by emailing us at hello at yourtea.com.